Welcome to MBA Connections with me, your host, Lashanti the Siren. This podcast, we'll be diving into the MBA Connect Network. This network exists to connect MBA managers across the Caribbean. In this special series, each episode will feature interviews with managers from across the network to show how this initiative is meeting the real needs of MBA managers by tapping into the wealth of real-world experiences and inspiring new approaches and ideas for their marine protected areas. Today, our guest is Shane Young from the Belize Audubon. Welcome. Hi, good morning. Awesome. So Shane, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you work, what you do, and your MPA? Sure, definitely. So my name is Shane Young. I am the Marine Protected Areas Manager for the Belize Audubon Society. I manage Half Moon Key Natural Monument and the Blue Hole Natural Monument. Um, both were heritage site, and they're located in Belize. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you even got into this role? Did you always know that you wanted to work with marine protected areas? So first and, most, first and foremost, you know, I, I have a bachelor's in tourism management. Um, interestingly, I have worked with the Belize Audubon Society for the past 13 and a half years. Um, three years of that was I was a park ranger um, and the 10 years uh, as park, as protected areas manager. I am a Marine Protected Areas Law Enforcement Mentor for the Gulf and Caribbean Fisheries Institute and MPA Connect. Um, I currently sit on the Belize Maritime Security Conference, and this basically is a committee that meets every month to discuss maritime enforcement, along with um, the police, the Coast Guard, the immigration, customs. Uh, we talk about maritime enforcement across the board as it relates to, to Belize. I also sit on on the World Heritage Advisory Committee that looks at decisions and policies related to the World Heritage Sites. Um, your question about how I got into conservation, um, quite interesting. I come from a family that, that are boat builders. You know, my dad is a renowned boat builder in Belize. So I always had a passion for the marine environment. And certainly I always wanted to be a fisheries officer working on the sea driving boats and, and making arrests. And interestingly, I'm doing exactly that. So indeed, I did follow my, my dreams. And here I am now as an enforcement officer, uh, among others, you know, I'm doing fisheries enforcement. That's fortunate. Not a lot of people really start off wanting to do one thing and actually getting there. So good to hear that you got to do that. Yeah, I know. So can you tell us a bit about your work, um, the MPA management for your MPA and enforcement? Yeah, so so Half Monkey is, is the first protected area in Belize going back to 1929. So it's one of the oldest protected area. Um, and it's also one of the first declared marine protected area in Central America. Um, Half Monkey is home to the white-faced red-footed booby bird. So we have a nice nesting colony uh, for that species of bird. And if you know about birds, you know, when you have a healthy population of marine birds, it speaks about the ecosystem and its biodiversity and its health. Um, so the birds are good indicators and speaks volume to the health you know, of, of your reef system. Um, then we have the Blue Hole Natural Monument, uh, which is a world-renowned underwater cave formation and a unique geological formation. So it's a, one of those to-do lists if you're an avid diver, you know, I mean, this is quite interesting. It's world-renowned, you know, we have the best of the best um, divers that have that on, on their checklist to do. 
Uh, both MPAs are World Heritage Site. They are part of the Belize Bar Reef Reserve System. Uh, both MPAs are located within the Lighthouse Reef Atoll. Um, Lighthouse Reef Atoll in general is known for its dense conch fishery, so we have a rich conch population. And if you have a rich conch population, it means that you have fishers that will utilize the atoll um, because of its conch, you know. So we have fishers who fish. We, we have an estimated 570 licensed fishers um, who utilize Lighthouse Reef Atoll. And then in 2016, we had the Belize Fisheries Department and partners, including the Belize Audubon Society, who ruled out managed access. So what is managed access? You know, we asked that question. Managed access is a closed access or a territorial user right fishery that only allows for persons who have a valid fishery folks license for a given area to fish in that specified area. So this special license comes with conditions which includes the vessel has to have some type of vessel color code um, the fishers are responsible to complete catch love and of course no only fishers you know, that have a valid license for that specified area is authorized to use that area mm -hmm. so as enforcement officers it's our duty um, to ensure that fishers follow the fisheries regulation and also to ensure that only fishers with a valid fisher folks license fish within this given area as in accordance with their license. And further, I must emphasize that a key element of fisheries enforcement is education. There's this false perception that you have on a uniform, you know, and you have the authority and you are the boss. You know, it doesn't work that way. You know, there is a lot that has to be done in terms of education. You know? informed of stakeholders on existing regulations or new regulations, that is key. Um, one of my lessons learned is that do not assume that people know. This is a common mistake that we all make, you know. And we have to be persistent with our communication message, you know. Um, enforcement officers are the front line. They represent the organization. They represent the government, you know. As Belize Audubon Society, they represent Belize Audubon Society. Uh, our rangers are the ambassadors. So there's a lot of PR that goes into enforcement, you know. And I must add that partnership with enforcement agencies provided a united front to fisheries management. You know, we, we're not a one-man show. We have to partner relevant authorities. And for us, you know, we have to have that working relationship. Um, and Belize Audubon Society, we have a close relationship with the Belize Coast Guard and the Belize Fisheries Department and the Belize Police Department as well um, when it comes to enforcement. It has to be a united front. And I must also add that the success of enforcement is based on intelligence. You know, we, we need intelligence, you know, and most of our enforcements are intelligence driven. And to do that, you need to create trust within your stakeholders. The very one fishers. Um, at the end of the day, it's their resources, you know, that you're managing. So it's important that, you know, we do this together. So they're the one that provides us with, with the information. So it's important that as enforcement officers, we maintain a cordial relationship with our fishers. I stress the word cordial because it is very important. Like I say, it's not because you have a, you have the power to make arrests means that you abuse it. And being cordial is not easy, you know, uh, but it's something that has to be done. And I urge all people, all enforcement officers, all MPA managers, MPA rangers, you know, remember, be cordial, be professional. It speaks 
volume to who you are and the organization you represent, you know, lesson learned from experience, right? Another key area of enforcement that we do as Blizz Audubon Society as enforcement officer, you know, we have to ensure that tour operators, tour guides, and visitors to the protected areas are adhering to the protected areas. Again, education is key, right? Education, education, education. That is paramount importance when it comes to enforcement, you know. Don't not assume, do not assume, do not assume. You know? I always speak about the three E's, you know. The three E's, first, engineer your plan, right? What is your plan? You have your management plan, you have your regulations, you have your, your communication strategy, whatever the case may be. The second is the education, educate, educate, educate. And the last of the E's is enforcement. Enforcement should be the last one. We need to ensure that everyone is abreast of the regulations, you know, the policies, whatever it is. Then enforcement could come along, right? Again, do not assume. We like to assume. That is important. Um, and I know the three E's, I've actually never heard those. Engineer, educate, and enforcement. Yes. Has there ever been any sort of unique situations that you came across during your enforcement? Across? I came across. There's a lot. It was important to have a buddy in the field. There's a lot. I mean, in, in enforcement, no, we are our brothers and sisters keeper. You know, each time a, a patrol is deployed, if you have three persons, three rangers on that vessel alive and kicking, walking, moving, it's important that three rangers return back to the base alive, walking, <laughs> and kicking, right? So it's, you know, we have to be our brother's keep, keeper at all times. You now we need to ensure that eyes are kept on the persons we're engaging with. Um, we have to ensure that we carry out situational assessment on the spot, you know, looking, at if, looking at if there's a potential threat. Um, we, I, you know, as from my experience, you know, it's, it's always important you know, that, that we, we keep an eye out, you know, for any possible threat, any, any suspected movements, you know, fishers hand in pockets, knives, close to knives, you know, um, spear guns. And I, I could recall a couple years ago, I, I was, I almost got shot with a spear gun, you know, but um, yes, you know, yeah, fisher pull a spear gun, you know, ready to crank it to shoot. But again, you know, because of the situational assessment that was done by the ranger, uh, that I was accompanied by, you know, um, he was able to flag it, diffuse the situation, and then I carry on with, with, with my enforcement procedures. I mean, but imagine a, just a simple spear gun. You know? I mean, so we have to be our brother's keeper. It's not an easy job to do enforcement, you know, but again, like I say, it's three of us on that patrol vessel. When we board that vessel, we're alive, we're kicking. You know, it's important that it's three of us return back to base safe and sound. So I guess that's one of the most important things in patrolling, especially when you are approaching a fisherman vehicle or a vessel, would definitely be to make sure you have someone. It's always yes. important. <laughs> you always have to body up, you know, you, you never go on a patrol alone, you know, because you, every situation is different. Yeah. Every situation is different. Every arrest is different. But and then it also goes back to being cordial, like you said earlier, with fishermen. It's so important to build relationships, right? You have to 
know who are the people that are regularly pushing the area, which makes it easy to even enforce some of these rules because now they understand what the rules are, what the regulations are, as opposed to when you have things like illegal fishing happening, which sometimes it really is done by the fishermen you know, but if you have that relationship with them, then they are a little less likely, right, to kind of go up against you. And it then makes it easier for them to report things to you, you know, if they see something happening. Um, and have you had many instances of that where, where fishermen are actually, even anonymously, they'll come to you and let you know, well, hey, Shane, this was happening, just letting you know, I know it's important to protect, you know. So, so yes, th that's a valid question. And yes, we have moved away from from the regular enforcement, of just, just putting fuel in a boat and just driving around, you know, wasting resources and time. Yeah. Um, we have more we have pushed our enforcement to more intelligence driven again you know being cordial like what you mentioned creating that partnership with your with your stakeholders you know for them to become stewards of their resources um and that comes with a lot of education you know a lot of a lot of building of of, of you know, confidence with, with your stakeholders that if information is shared with you it will be kept confidential yeah. um so our success has been based on intelligence uh, in terms of enforcement. Um, we have received a lot of information from stakeholders, and what we have done is you know, looked at you know, targeted patrols, you know, targeting targeting those that we know are engaged in the illegal with the IUU, you know, the illegal, unreported, unregulated fishery at the large scale. We have transboundary issues that we have to deal with um, in terms of fishing. So those are the ones that we're going after. And the only way we could do that is through the intelligence gathering, which we depend on um, from our stakeholders. And you know, one of the earlier pictures I showed, I'll pop it back up. Um, this is you using the SMART. Uh, yes. can briefly, can you tell us what SMART is and how it's used when you are doing your patrols? Yes. So the SMART is basically a management information, information system platform. Um, what it does, it has removed all that paperwork. I can remember 13 years ago when there was a park ranger doing actual enforcement on the ground um, every day, all day. You know, we used to go with these big uh, writing the rain book and, and pens, you know, and we we have to write every license that we, that we check, you know, every vessel. You know, and sometimes for the day, we'll check like a hundred, like, like a hundred fishers, especially when at the opening of the con season. And then we when we return back to base, you know, we'll have to transfer from what in is in that book to a log book and from the log book to the computer to a spreadsheet. Um, so it becomes time consuming. What the smart has done has provide an ease of access to those information. So while you're on the ground, the rangers could actually input that information into the database using the smart platform a regular cell phone i have one here if you can see yeah, you yeah. know it's a standard cell phone um this one is the black view um so the, the app is based is this smart stands for spatial monitoring and reporting tool um so the data database is set here you create your own data model based on the information you collect mm -hmm. and you input information there on the spot and then you take that to your headquarters plug it to a computer it upload information download information and then it's sent to the cloud 
So I have access to my staff database, the half monkey database. Um, it gives you, it looks at patrol effort, patrol location, vessels, um, fissures, and it looks at frequency as well in terms of um, how many times you have encountered these fissures, you know, where most of the arrests has the vessel boarding has been made, create hotspots, whatever you want with the data, you can create queries to run and create uh, relevant reports. Huh? And it has made my life very easy, you know, because it's just to open the platform, run a query, and I get all my information that is needed. I think I shared with you a nice, a nice picture with the patrol trucks. Yes, you did. I know the first one that you sent, it was the yes. patrol? Yes. So so what you see the area in brown is Lighthouse Reef Atoll. Okay. Right? And those little gray spots are patrol trucks. So based on what that data is showing me is that I have high concentration of patrols between on the southern end of, of Lighthouse Reef Atoll. So our staff are focusing their patrol effort in, in the southern part of, of Lighthouse Reef Atoll. Um, just looking at that, I know there's a frequency of patrols um, at, at the Blue Hole Natural Monument. That little orange dot at the middle is the famous Blue Hole. So I can see that regular patrols are being done at that area. However, there's a gap just looking at, at that, that, that map that we don't do much patrols in the northern area of the atoll, you know, looking at that map at face value. Yeah. Uh, so again, it means that there's a gap in my patrol. So I would look at that and say, okay, then we need to send some more patrols at the northern part of that atoll you know, um, to see what is going on. We need to put more presence at that location. And certainly there's variables, maybe weather, um, fuel, vessel mechanical issues whatever the case may be that will have limited the staff from going going to the northern part of the atoll and, the and, and this one basically looks at where fishing vessels were boarded so all those blue dots you know is where a fishing vessel was and where the staff uh, boarded those vessels um, in the database if i click on on that on those blue blue squares it will tell me who which vessel the staff boarded the rangers boarded uh who were the persons on that vessel what time they boarded that vessel if there was any infraction um that was committed on any follow-up right so i see, I see that illegal fishing is red and this particular one has no red specs so yes. it's that you just chose a good one? No, no, no. That was a random. This was last month's report. It was just a random. It was just a one month query that I run and mm -hmm. that was produced. So, yes, there was no infraction last month. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I was going to say that's really good. And, and have you seen a decline in the illegal fishing over the last like year or so, especially in regards to COVID, but even before then, you know? I've seen what? Sorry. Decline? A decline in the illegal fishing, you know, not just in the last month, but maybe in the last year, based on like how COVID happened, you know, we were hearing that the nature started to come back a little bit more. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we have seen 
a reduction of infraction. Um, but I will tell you that does that that does not necessarily mean that illegal fishing um, isn't taking place. No? Um, yeah. What that means is that they could have been creative in terms of how they're doing their fishing now. Um, so in terms of frequency of arrests, yes, that has reduced. Um, but it could be that um, the fishers are one step ahead of us and being creative in how they undergo their illegal fishing practices. Um, and this is where your data, your research and monitoring come in, you know, where you look at the, your conk stock, your lobster stock, your coral health, and that will determine, you know, if your enforcement is effective. So if you have a good, healthy conk population, um, it speaks volume to enforcement. If you're seeing a lot of undersized conk, you know, and, and, and less mature conk, you know, it means that you know there, there's something going on, you know, and that it has to be addressed. So the enforcement and its success is very dependent on your research and monitoring, right? And it guides you know or where you could put your patrol efforts, where and when to put your patrol efforts. That's really good. Um, and I know earlier you mentioned that. Healthy marine seabird populations is very indicative of a very healthy marine population. And one of our last questions that we had for you that is an interesting one. <laughs> you can pick whichever type of seabird you like, but who do you think would win in a fight between a seabird and an octopus? <laughs> that, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I, I think. Each has their own capabilities, you know. Mm -hmm. Seabird can fly and dive, and that's a big strength for them. Uh, while the octopus can only dive, I think they have a lot of super powerful tentacles, you know, um, mm -hmm. which is an advantage to them. Yeah. Um, so it will trickle down to size and stamina on both species, and I think the key point here is survival, you know. Um, so. I mean, it's two amazing creature we're talking about. I don't, I really don't want to put one over the other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, every situation is different, right? That's true. That's true. The odds may favor the seabird one day, whereas the octopus may have an upper advantage. But the tentacles do do play a bit of an advantage. You know, the bird exactly. has one beak and two legs, but the octopus yeah. has eight. You know. But do you have any final thoughts that you'd want to share with our viewers who may want some like nice quick tips for MPA management and enforcement? Most definitely. Um, building compliance cannot be done in one overnight. You know, it requires a lot of work. It requires consistent education and stakeholder engagement. I spoke about the three E's, you know, engineer your plan, educate, and then enforce. Enforcement should be the last on the list to do. Um, it requires persistent officer presence and certainly that comes with a lot of costs, you know, um, the price of fuel, you know, is skyrocketing <laughs> daily, especially here in Belize. Um, so we have to be creative you know, in terms of how we maintain officer presence. Um, it requires partnership with enforcement agencies as well, you know, that is important. Like I mentioned, we're not an one-man island, one-man show, you know, we need to work together with our enforcement agencies. Um, Belize Audubon Society has been fortunate enough not to have two Coast Guard officers attached to our patrol team, 
at all times, you know, that, that speaks volume to our partnership and our commitment to fisheries management. And, and lastly, enforcement is not for everyone. I've learned that, you know, enforcement is not for everyone. So to managers out there, when doing recruitment, you know, when you're recruiting your ranges, just remember enforcement requires boldness, discipline, and strong communication skill. You know, your your rangers are your front line. You know, they're ambassadors. They speak volume to your organization and your organization values, you know. So it's important that, you know, to know that enforcement is not for everyone and you have to be very selective uh, in terms of how or who you select to represent your organization. That That is a lesson learned from my end. And you said they have to be bold, disciplined, and strong communicators to be a ranger in enforcement. Enforcement specifically. Yeah, for enforcement, which that does sound really important. And I can see where each of those aspects are very beneficial, especially yeah. strong communication, because they're going to need to be able to communicate effectively to the yeah. community, but in a way that is, again, goes back to you saying being cordial like you have to understand how to speak to people how to how to conduct yourself around people mm -hmm. and that nice balance between very social and friendly but also that professional and, and you know yeah I, I think there's there's a false perception of enforcement especially fisheries management i think uh, you know you know we think that enforcement you know, is seen as this aggressor you know enforcement aggressor you know, and, you know being aggressive doesn't help in any way you know um, being aggressive is just evil you know we have to look at the reality you know, you know we're dealing with people regardless and i will concede you know, at times you do meet some some real aggressive stakeholders you know but again you know it comes with discipline and how to you know it takes two to make a tangle you know, and, we have to ensure that you know at the end of the day you know, that there's discipline in how in our actions you know because it speaks volume to the organization we represent awesome well thank you so much shane for being a guest on our show and talking about mpa management enforcement uh, for those of our viewers thank you for watching another episode of mpa connections please follow mpa connect on facebook using mpaconnect.caribbean or on Instagram for MPA Connect underscore Caribbean to see more updates on upcoming episodes and to follow the work of the MPA Connect Network. See you guys next time.